Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We are excited to break down some baseball. Big surprise, not the least of which is the Frogs made the field. We'll talk about that. Daniel Southern's favorite coach, Mount Vernon head football coach, Art Bryles. Troubles with the, uh, with the team in the offseason. Uh, we're going to talk about the arrest of Shewo Alanalua. Maybe some um, news on that, as well as recruiting, and a whole bunch of questions from the board. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, as always, I have my two partners in crime, Daniel Southern, Jeremy Clark. Men, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Doing great, Pastor Jeff. I'd be better if a certain someone was uh, still in Italy. Junior Soprano? Yeah, he might as well be, uh, oh, I forgot his name, Ponytail Guy. Early in the series. Furio. 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 Yeah, Furio. That's Art Bryles to me right now. Imported hitman, except different kind of hit. Well, on that note, let's move right along here. I I agree with all of that. Uh, Before we get into our first topic of the day on baseball, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor. Teen Life is a great organization right here in DFW where they go out of their way to support junior high and high school students that are trying to make important decisions to take responsibility for their life. You, like I know, it's really tough to be a teenager today, and Teen Life goes out of their way to provide mentoring, tutoring, and, and life coaches that can go out of their way to help these students make good decisions so that they can secure their future. If you haven't yet, go to Teen Life ngo and find a way for you to support this program either through your time if you want to step in and be a mentor or maybe even more importantly through your checkbook we know we got a lot of high dollar boosters at tcu especially on this show this would be a great way for you to support your neighborhood your local school district run by a good listener of this broadcast jeff mccain one of their um, sponsors and board members we'd love for you to be a part of it go to teamlife.ngo and learn more about this great organization that is the lead sponsor of the broadcast well, boys, I got to tell you, I was shocked when I saw that TCU made the tournament. We uh, made a decent run in Oklahoma City. You know, we kind of gave away that semifinal game that would have put us in the title game. Oklahoma State goes on, uh, wins that game in uh, extra innings, then goes on and wins the Big 12 tournament. I was a little surprised that the Frogs made the tournament. And I'm not going to lie, I am flipping through my phone on uh, the Monday morning, and it's in uh, Carlos. Carlos Mendez says, Hey, the Frogs have gathered, the team has gathered to watch the selection show just on the off chance that they made it in. And I'm like, I felt the same way I did when uh, the Frogs made the uh, Sun Bowl in 1998. I'm like, why did they even think they were going to make a bowl? This is back when 6-5 and five didn't get you into a bowl. But hey, the Frogs are in the tournament. There's, gonna, there's a lot of conspiracy theory about who they bumped out, but let's get into the fact that they are in. Jeremy, did this surprise you? Uh, a little bit, but I, w- I was impressed with the way they played up in, in uh, Oklahoma City because they did eliminate Baylor, which was the number two seed. They they destroyed Oklahoma. Um, they beat Oklahoma State 13-6 pretty handily, and, and really they gave away that game on Sunday, which I think if they would have won, they would have ended up beating West Virginia uh, as well. So I think them just playing the way they did in the Big 12 tournament helped tremendously, but I think overall, TCU has the skins on the wall. I posted this on the board. You think about it, they are a blue blood of college baseball. They've been to uh, the NC tournament how many times now under Schloss? 14 times, is that correct? That's uh, correct. Been, been to Omaha several times. And I, I, I honestly think the committee looks at them and, and looks at a team that beat a team like Vanderbilt. They're a streaky team. They've, they've had – the high, the the highest of lows, so to speak, but they've also shown to be a 
a pretty decent baseball team. And I think that's what they showed this past week. And um, they've played a tough schedule. Big 12 isn't, uh, you know, uh, just a, a tough, tough league, but it's a very competitive league. And they they played as well as they could, man. And, and you know, it's it's obviously a pleasant surprise for TCU fans. But I, as far as the conspiracy goes, yeah, maybe. Maybe Chris had a little bit of uh, – he had a chance to stand on his chair in there and maybe some other things happened for TCU. But uh, you know what? They've they've earned the right to, to get into the postseason. It's kind of like what TCU fans dealt with in that playoff scenario back in 2015 or 14 when, when they uh, had to sit there and watch Ohio State get chosen into the playoffs. I mean, they, TCU wasn't a blue blood of football, and, and obviously for baseball they are. Well, let me just go ahead and, and highlight that one of those conspiracy theories. I've heard two of them. You know, Chris Del Conte, former AD at TCU, is on the commi- on the selection committee. Houston is the team that, in theory, TCU bumped out. By, by TCU getting in, Houston was left out. So you have uh, Houston fans that are saying Del Conte's in there advocating for his conference and then in, in more specifically advocating for the team where he used to be the AD. He can say, hey, I know that when uh, Schloss gets a team in, they're going to make a run. They're not going to roll over. Uh, they're going to make a better uh, appearance and, and make a better showing than Houston does. But the other thing that Houston fans, and I don't think about this, this is – I don't want to be this Power Five elitist. He used to be the AD at Rice, and you forget that Houston and Rice are actually kind of sort of rivals, or at least they're in the same neighborhood, uh, and and they're in a different tax bracket too. But it seems as if Houston fans are really worked up about Dal Conti keeping TCU, getting TCU in, and keeping Houston out, both for TCU. Big 12 as well as Rice. That is one. That is like the trifecta of conspiracy theories. Uh, what, what, what's your? Let's just give you an, some truth serum here, Jeremy. Did TCU deserve to make the tournament? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I, I, I think if they showed somewhat of a pulse, it wasn't obviously a, a great season. They missed the, the postseason last year, and they didn't play up to expectations this year, but. I'm a guy that looks at the pass and and knows that, like you said earlier, TCU can get streaky and they can they can get in these tournaments and surprise some people, and that's what they did with the Big Twelve tournament. I, I think I predicted one and two for them, and heck, they're on the cusp of playing for the Big Twelve title if they don't let that game slip away against Oklahoma State. So, um, yeah, I think they deserve it. I'm not going to be a, a cynic and say no. Nah, Houston should have been been in over them. Uh, TCU plays a pretty tough schedule and and. Uh, I think they deserve to have a chance to get out there in the postseason. They're going to Arkansas. They're going to be up in Fayetteville. They play Cal, you know, Cheez-It Bowl runner-up, Cal, in, in game one. And then the opposite part of the bracket is Arkansas in, in central Connecticut. So if the Frogs are able to to beat Cal, then, you know, they've got they got that opportunity to make a statement against, an Ar- obviously, a, an Arkansas that's a host seed. That would be a great opportunity for the Frogs to kind of get that streak going. And then, um, and, and, and man, that, that would be awesome. That, that would just be awesome to see them be able to do that. The thing I'm actually maybe most excited about is if they do win that Arkansas regional, they would likely be playing Ole Miss, which is just about an hour and 10 minutes south of me here in Memphis. So if Ole Miss is able to win their regional and TCU is able to make a run at their regional and, and beat Arkansas, beat Cal, then they, I'll be driving down there to represent the Frogcast. So stranger things have happened. We know this. I mean, I would have felt better if the Aggies were in our bracket because we at least had guaranteed win every time we played them but 
you got to hand it to the program. They they did scrape by. They did find a way to fight and put themselves in a position to get the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's a tough year. Let's just not lie. You know, it's been a lot. La- the last two seasons have been tough. But all of that can be forgotten if the Frogs can go and win that Arkansas Regional and be able to steal that from the the Razorbacks. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, it. that's going to be tough. But Arkansas did struggle in the SEC tournament. They went one and two. But they are one of the top five programs in the country as well. So, I mean, obviously it's going to be tough. And I'll tell TCU fans, you better uh, – Better check the maps on the way up there because all that flooding and everything going on in Oklahoma and uh, western Arkansas, I mean, you might have to take uh, the road less traveled just to get up to Fayetteville. Well, every road to Fayetteville is definitely the road less traveled, but you got to be even more more creative. I did see some people posting on our board about how just how bad Western Arkansas is right now because of flooding, because of some construction. So, yeah, be mindful if you're if you're making that trip. Please be very mindful. And I think the Frogs will actually get a good showing up there. I mean, fans did not anticipate this. This is a gift here for TCU sports because after. After baseball's over, there ain't nothing until we play the the Blue Blood uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. So I think the Frogs are going to put a lot of fans up there in, 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 in Fayetteville. So go Frogs. The biggest conspiracy is is uh, TCU got into the baseball tournament because they were snubbed by the uh, basketball committee to make it to the NCAA <laughs> tournament. They're try- the NCAA is trying to make up for the snub. Oh, I have my own theory, and I haven't heard, seen this anywhere. My theory is that they let the baseball team in as an insurance policy in case the football team does well and almost needs to get in later in the season. Then they can say, oh, we kick you out. Sorry, we, we burnt you. You got your whatever in the baseball tournament. So there. It's always a football conspiracy with me. <laughs> you might be honest. As something. stupid as that is. Maybe I'll edit that out. That was dumb. No, don't don't edit that. That's actually the truest statement you've ever made. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> well, Daniel, I'm going to start with you here. Let's go ahead and tee up to what is honestly the topic of the day on my heart, deep in my soul. I was on my phone and I saw Matt Stepp break some news that said I can almost, he said, I cannot confirm it, but I've had multiple reports that Mount Vernon is about to hire Art Bryles as their head football coach. Mount Vernon in Northeast Texas, if I have the timeline right, they had their commencement at 8 o'clock and then on a Friday going into Labor Day or into Memorial Day. And then they had a called school board meeting at 6 o'clock going on a Friday going into a three-day weekend to hire Art Bryles as their head football coach. Daniel, on a scale of 1 to 10, how shocked are you that Art Bryles is now coaching again in the state of Texas. I'm pretty shocked. I didn't think he would get, I mean, he couldn't get a job in Canada. He had to go all the way to Italy, which is pretty far to get away from your (sighs) reputation. I could have made a pun with that word, but it, um, Of all places, I mean, okay, yeah, now it's a high school. So maybe that's how they got it in or how he got in is to to be a high school coach. Couldn't do Canadian Football League. um, Couldn't, you know, no college was going to touch him in the last couple of years. So now somehow out of nowhere and in the most epic Baylor news burying fashion, as you described, cramming it into right before the graduation, before a Memorial Day weekend, 
Friday night. I mean, that was just so, I mean, they'd learned that. That was probably Art's idea, honestly, um, <laughs> to hide the news. And here we are, and I kind of thought there'd be more outrage about it. And there has been, but not enough. Not like the one at, with the, the CFL where he was gone by the end of the day. Um, but am I surprised? Yeah. Um, how bizarre. I mean, he's going to make a good salary, uh, which he doesn't need. But um, I don't know. It, it just took me by surprise out of nowhere. He's at, at some random high school north of Tyler, I think. Um, it's the home of Dandy Don Meredith. That's right. That's right. I did read that. Um, so... Now that's no longer their claim to fame. What I don't get is he couldn't get the Southern Miss offensive coordinator position. If you'll remember, their head coach went to great lengths to try to hire him and then put out one of those garbage comments, you know, statements after they couldn't hire him about, you know, I believe in second chances and the grace of this, and I can't imagine a good man like him not getting an opportunity. I can't believe that guy still got a job because – Every university administrator with a pulse knows I can't allow this man to be on our campus. I can't let him be in a position of authority. But, hey, Texas high school, if high school football, if it's dirty, we want it. So I, I'm still kind of shocked. I, I figured it would take like a small town that says stupid things. And I'm just going to say that's what that is. They're, they're superintendent and school board president. They said stupid things in order to justify this. So I'm, I wish I could tell you I'm really surprised, but I guess I'm just not because somebody was going to pull the trigger. But if you're an institution of higher learning, they don't want you. But the Canadian Football League didn't want you. As you said, you had to go to, you had to, go to Italy and, 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 uh, and, and coach there. Jeremy, how shocked were you at this? You got a little closer pulse on the on the high school football landscape than, than we do. How surprised are you that a place like Mount Vernon pulls the trigger to bring back a guy that should be setting pins at a bowling alley? I'm not surprised by it at all. I mean, if there was going to be a, a job for him anywhere, it would be somewhere in Texas high school football. Um, I didn't think he would ever coach at 5A or 6A level yet, but I always had in the back of my mind that I could see – uh, a smaller town. I was always picturing like a smaller West Texas town or, or even Stephenville, um, him going back to that community and coaching there, but always kind of felt that he would be somewhere back in high school coaching football, um, in Texas. It's what has it been? Three years, two and a half, two and a half, three years since everything came out. I think with the Canadian, uh, the CFL, I mean, it was I mean, literally basically right after he got fired from Baylor. Um, not too long after that, and obviously Southern Miss was more recently. But uh, Mount Vernon, if you watch the interview with with uh, him on the news, I mean, they just – it's basically someone someone had the best tweet of the day. Um, they were talking about his answers and did he talk to the victims? No. Did you do this? No. So basically someone had tweeted, so you just basically read his resume, his references on his resume. Um, and, and that's what it sounded like. They didn't, they didn't talk to, to anyone from the NCAA and just, just to get more background out of this. Uh, and, and it just goes to show some of these communities, they want winning at all costs. And what's crazy is Mount Vernon, I think was a pretty decent team last year. They were eight and four. And I mean, they, they obviously play in East Texas and so you play some good football down there, but, uh, I can't say that I'm shocked by this and, and, you know, if he has a couple, two, three good years, it's going to be long enough since he's, you know, for Texas 
people anyway, for him to be uh, away from the, the, the rape accusations and everything else. And I, I can definitely see a, a bigger school taking a chance on him if he does lead Mount Vernon to something special. Mount Vernon, uh, they're the Tigers, is that correct? I think you're thinking of Mount Pleasant. Well, then what is Mount Vernon? I'm not sure. Okay, well, I don't know much about Mount Vernon, but I are their colors not purple and white? Mount Vernon College is. Well, maybe I looked at the wrong image on Google, and that completely ruins the premise of my joke. I'll, I'll just see myself... <laughs> No, I'm looking at the president of the school board or you know, the superintendent of Mount Vernon ISD right now. And I have that video pulled up that you're referencing, Jeremy, where Mike Leslie from WFAA interviewed him. He's wearing a, pur- a bright purple Mount Vernon Tiger shirt. So you are correct, Daniel. He's wearing purple on the sidelines. Okay, I think that is the, that is the silver lining here is that Bryles will be in purple and white and Baylor fans will not like that. And so... That just uh, warms the cockles of my heart. Yeah, Jeremy, here's the quote that Mike Leslie got from the superintendent, uh, Jason McCullough. Uh, did you? D- he, they said they did their vetting to the best of their ability. Leslie asked, did that vetting include talking to any of the victims? No. Anyone from the NCAA? No. Anyone at Baylor other than Grant Taft? No. Then what vetting did you do? And he really didn't have a response. And so somebody underneath, my favorite quote of that, Jeremy, was they asked Art Brow's dog if he was a good man, and he said rough. I did like your tweet from over the weekend. Oh, uh, Art Brow's is familiar with Mount Vernon because he tried to schedule him in 2015. (laughs) You know, that stuff feels like 10 years ago. You know, back when when Baylor wanted to be able to play seven FCS games and get into the playoff on it. So, so now what's he going to do? Schedule six man? Oh, man, I'm not getting any laughs tonight. <laughs> We're on delay. That's why. It just sounds. It's funny in my head, and then I say it's like, oh, stinker. All right. I see how it is. Well, let, let's try to let's try to see if we can be serious about this for a minute, because underneath all the jabs and the in the humor of this is 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 a disgusting culture that was created in Baylor football under Browse's reign. That every third party, including you know Pepper Hamilton, has has been able to conclude that that Browse was 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 clearly a a participant in and act you know in terms of waving off the Waco PD doing everything he can to uh, cover this up I think it's disgusting I still to this day cannot believe that he has a job in a public high school in the state of Texas that is that is disgusting to me and you know and I want to say this and I don't I don't try to get too preachy on here even though most of y'all know what I do for a living you can forgive someone and give a whole bunch of grace to them but at the same time, that doesn't reco- that doesn't mean they get to be restored to their previous position when those transgressions began. You know, if someone is abusive, you can forgive them. You should forgive them over time. But that doesn't mean you become their best friend and invite them back into your home again. Those things are not the same. And when I hear people on, when I read, you know, idiots with seven followers on Twitter say, well, shouldn't you forgive him? I'm like, 
I hope somewhere that the people that were raped and abused and violated are able to release and let go of their past. I pray that that happens for them. But that does not mean our browse gets to call go routes in order for that to be to happen. And those are completely different conversations. And it disgusts me that people correlate those two things. So end of my sermon. But I wanted to say that on this show on the record. I think you would have uh, a lot of people agreeing with you. That's- that's just where it is. I mean, it's kind of where I stand. I don't know if I could ever, you know, you talk about forgiveness and you can hope for the best for people to change. But you ask anyone that's been a, a, around browse, whether it's the high school football scene, Texas college, it just, there seems to be a black, black cloud that follows him wherever he goes. You hear, you can hear all the rumors from when he was at Stephenville to when he was even up at Texas tag Houston. And you just go wonder, I mean, he, he comes off as a, a genuine good West Texas guy, but man, there's just something about it. There's just something about it that just wreaks evil. And, you know, hopefully that Mount Vernon community knows what they're doing. And it's, it, I, I would, I would like to know what the, the residents of that community truly felt, or if they even had a say in the whole matter. Um, because it seems to me the way they went about the process is that, the school board was going to make Art Browse the coach come hell or high water. And I, I, I could bet you that there's that the football fanatics of Mount Vernon, they, they are overjoyed. They're, they're fanatic. They, they actually went nine and five last year. They have a good squad, but the, the people in the town that actually care about his past and why he was even let go from Baylor in the first place, uh, they're not going to want to become the laughing stock of, um, Texas football or even not even football, not even football, just a laughing stock altogether because I mean, how I'm with you, Jeff. I, I don't think he should have ever returned to a role of uh, mentoring uh, young people. And uh, he's 63 years old. He, he should have just rode off into the sunset where people don't have to read about him or, or talk about him anymore. All I know is truth don't lie. That's all I got to say about that. Um, that's the old browse quote, and it's true. It is true. Um, all right, well, let's roll on to something a little more uh, positive. Let's talk about Shea Woe. Kind of sure that's positive? <laughs> Speaking of awkward <laughs> transition, it was a, it was a real okay. lame uh, uh, joke. Uh, no, it's not positive at all. <laughs> it is not positive at all. I will tell you there's a big difference between having a little synthetic weed or whatever you want to call it and uh, overseeing the culture that Browse did. All right, as we as you may or if you're listening to this podcast, you're an ad, you're uh, you're 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 kind of a degenerate like us and you love college football. Shewal Analua obviously was arrested down there in north of Houston. Jeremy, fill us in a little bit, just a rough outline, what happened and, and where do things stand now? I don't want to break this down. I don't want to debate the legality and the morality of weed. I want to know what this means for the football team. Well, I mean, he, he was arrested. Um, he, he got pulled over, um, I believe, for speeding, and then he had a, a light. Depending on who you talk to, it was a, a tail light or the light over the license plate. But the, the officer, arresting officer, uh, smelled marijuana in his car, in Shawo's car, and they did a – uh, a search of the vehicle and found THC of eight pin um, rice krispies that were that had hints of THC in them, and it's basically uh, between two to four grams 
unloaded substance, which is a third degree felony charge. And that's what he's facing right now. Um, there's, there's nothing new to report as far as, uh, what I've already posted on the board. Um, everyone's going to look at what coach Patterson's going to do. Coach Patterson's really not in it at this point. He understands, he knows what's happened. He, he's talked to say, well, they know everything, but it's really a university decision on how they're going to, how they're going to handle this. And, you know, for, for right now, I, I would tell TCU fans, just be prepared, just be prepared just in case, because from what I've gathered is if that felony charge sticks, no matter the level of what he had in his car, what people seem to think is minor right now or how the law needs to be changed, whatever your opinion is of it. And I have my own opinion of it, but it's still the law and it's still a charge. And if, if that doesn't get fixed, if it doesn't get reduced or dropped altogether, he still has that felony charge next to his name. And from what I've gathered is I don't think TCU is going to let him play if he has that felony uh, you know, next to his name, if, if nothing's reduced. Um, and like I said, this isn't, this isn't a Gary Patterson decision. Um, to me, you know, I, if it came down to it, I, I, I would be in a hard position if I was uh, Victor or Jeremiah trying to make the decision for him to be allowed to stay on the team and even stay in the university. And I get the, well, what about the frat boy that gets in trouble? Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't mind that. The frat boy is not the one that's going to get a ton of attention on ESPN or there's not going to be 50 stories written about him, how Gary Patterson lets, lets a guy that got a felony charge with drugs, no matter how minor again, I'm all in agreement with you guys. It's, it seems to be, just a a mountain out of a molehill here, but it is the law and it doesn't look great for TCU to have someone on their team with, with the felony charge. Um, And again, I would say if, if it doesn't get reduced, you better start preparing yourselves to see more Darius Anderson or uh, Amari DiMarcardo or the two freshmen, DeMarque Foster and Darwin Barlow. Um, but, but right now, everything, the investigation is still ongoing. Um, Shaywell has his attorneys working with everything, trying to work with the district attorney, see what the options are. And, you know, as soon as they get everything figured out, then it, it'll be good to go. I, I'm, I'm in the opinion, if it does get reduced and it's dropped from a felony to maybe a misdemeanor, that Gary might suit, sit him for maybe one game maybe two games. And the beauty of that is you don't have to, it doesn't have to be the first two games of the season. It could be Arkansas Pine Bluff and then SMU, uh, you know, whoever, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff and Kansas, you know, who, whoever they want to set it out. But I don't even know if it'll be a two game suspension. Um, if he does decide to take disciplinary action against Shaywo, but um, I think he'll have to do something just to say they did something about it. Um, but I don't think it would be severe at all. I got to tell you, this is going to come as a shock to y'all. I don't know a whole lot about what in the world all this stuff is. <laughs> I am not a marijuana expert or what you put in your smoking pen or THG. Did I say that right? I don't, I, C. 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 Okay, like I said. I didn't know a lot about it either. 
I uh, I used to know my way around a can of Copenhagen, and that's about as risque as my life has been. So I've learned a lot on our message board. So I will just I'll just tell you, I'm like, wow, I didn't know. Like, you can buy it, you can sell it, but it's not legal to have it. I mean, I that that seems like really jacked up. Leave it to the state of Texas to uh, who celebrates their freedom to to put a put something like that in place. That was a little odd. I'm going to agree with you, Jeremy. I uh, I have a whole lot of thoughts on on that, but it's irrelevant because there it's the law, and there's a lot of dumb laws out there, but you don't get to break them and then have zero consequences from them. Hopefully, like you said, their court, their, their his lawyers are able to plead this down and, in a sense, make this go away, make him run extra stadiums and send out the kickoff of the Arkansas Pine Bluff game, which will be fine. Save that battering ram body for for Big Twelve play. I would be just fine with that, and I hope it gets there. And I, what I really hope is some cowboy judge doesn't decide to make a uh, an example out of him, which you're, I'm I'm always afraid of. I'm, I mean. I'm always afraid right. of that. So especially when you got judges up for re-election in the state of Texas, that gets a little that gets a little shady, man. So I'm I'm hoping that this kind of sorts itself out because my gosh, at the end of the day, it is so irrelevant, but it's also illegal and yeah. he knew that. So those two things are intention, but the law is gonna win out. So hopefully he pleads it down. The good thing is it's it's his first offense. And it, other than that, I mean he's he's been a a, a pretty model citizen as far as he he's he's a good student he graduated tcu in three and a half years uh he's he's a good teammate i'm sure gary patterson will tell anyone that needs to hear it that shaywa was a good kid just made a stupid mistake and what you know 21 22 year old kids don't make stupid mistakes at some point not everyone's perfect and um you know hopefully they can express that to the district attorney down there, but it's just crazy that, you know, like you said, the laws are, are just different. Even that CBD oil. I mean, I can't tell you if it's legal or not because people say it's legal and then other people say it's not. And then some counties say it's not legal here, but it's legal in other counties, but it's not legal in Texas. It's just, it's just a, a crazy, a crazy system. But uh, if it was something you know, it, we all remember last year when, when Terp got arrested, felony charges, domestic abuse, that's cut and dry. Gary Patterson acted immediately and Turpin was gone. Um, for this instance, it's, it's crazy because it's such a less, it's, it seems it's such a less crime, but you still have a felony next to your name from it. You know what I mean? And so it, it's, it's just one of those things where you hope uh, for Shavo's sake, because man, he he does have a bright future ahead of him. He's he's a great athlete, and he's a good kid. I've known Shavo for a long time, and he's he's always he's always been great with the media. He obviously uh, w- was huge for TCU last year. Helped them win that Cal game. They rode his shoulders, and he led them to a victory. And and they were expecting him to do some pretty big things this year. And and I I will tell you right now. If, if none of this would have happened, Shaywa was going to be the first running back out there on the field. I think he was going to get more playing time than Darius. So it it's just it's it's hurtful to him. He knows he made a mistake. Uh, it, that's been expressed to me um, through several people. And you know, hopefully they can all get it behind them and, and get this thing uh, pleaded down. But, you know, just, just hope for the best for him and hope he learned from his mistake. Yeah, I hope so too. I think the word you were looking for there is victimless crime. You know, what 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 happened with Shaywell yeah. and what happened to Turpin just, you know, not even in the same area code. Not even in the same area code. So, 
yeah, we hope for the best. Hopefully by the next episode, we'll have some good news to report on that. Hopefully this doesn't drag out too much. I'm sure that his lawyers are fighting to put together a plea deal and get this get this off the books, hopefully in concert and in, in, in a good working relationship with the university where they can come to an understanding, go to court, get it over with. So, All right, well, let's move on here. Let's... Uh, Give us a little update on recruiting, Jeremy. Do we have when we did our last show? We had you know that big you know avalanche of commitments, and we were kind of basically waiting on Baldwin to commit. Baldwin did commit, so you know that was a couple weeks ago. So I'm just going to start with the first question out of the gate, and then if you have any other recruiting news, tell us, and then we're going to get to listener questions. But where do we stand on Baldwin in a waiver? Is there any update? We know that the NCAA is is really hit and miss on this. There's no consistency to it. Tell us a little bit about Baldwin and what, and what we know about his the status of his waiver to play this season. And is it necessary? Uh, there's no status change. Um, I haven't heard back for when he's going to hear from the NCAA yet. And the last I heard is it, it's they're kind of watching to see what happens with Sean because that will tell them a lot. Uh, with how Baldwin's going to go. If, if Sean doesn't get his approved, then Baldwin probably doesn't get his approved. But if Sean does, then it's a better chance for Baldwin because um, it's kind of the same scenario. It, not really the same scenario. I don't even know why I said that. But it's they they left for playing time, basically, and playing purposes. Sean's saying that he didn't like – he was mistreated. I don't know how he's going to be able to <laughs> say that. I'm just telling you right now. Gary Patterson loved Sean Robinson. Um, My emotions were mistreated by Sean Robinson too. So I just wanted to say that. Have I ever told you guys the story? I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this guy, guys, the story. If I haven't ever before, I, I could have swore that I've, that I've posted this before. So uh, a couple years ago when Doug Meacham and Sonny Cumbie were the co-coordinators and Doug Meacham was the play caller. Gary was getting ready to make a change anyway to make Sonny the play caller and make Doug the guy that kind of sits up in the box. Well, Hugh Freeze, who was the coach at Ole Miss at the, at the time, calls Gary and asks for permission to talk to Sonny. And Gary said that once that call took place, what he was thinking about doing, he immediately decided to do it because he told me this exactly. I did not want to lose Sean Robinson. He told me if I lost Sonny Cumbie, I would lose Sean Robinson. So that should tell you right there how much the guy, you know, he, he loved, and I told you guys all through the season last year that, that Sean, that Gary really loved Sean. He really loved Sean. Just he locked him as a kid. And obviously as an athletic quarterback, did it work out the way he had hoped? No, but um, I, it's kind of, it, it's very, Everything I'm getting from people around the program, it's very, very disappointing that they're trying to use a mistreatment uh, of, of the reason Sean, why he left TCU. It's just, it's ridiculous. Whether you talk to players or player parents, anyone that's associated with the program, it's just, it's, they're all extremely disappointed um, with the way Sean's handled this. It, it just, and and honestly, they don't really point all the finger at Sean. They, it is it is uh, some family uh, oriented too. So, and I don't have to get too much in detail because I've already talked about that in the past. But um, with Baldwin, you know, he, he Urban Meyer left, but you know, Ryan Day's the guy that recruited Baldwin 
from Lake Travis, and now he's the head coach. So you, you got to look at that. And if he doesn't get his waiver, it's not any harm. They still got four really good quarterbacks, Alex Delton, Mike Collins, Justin Rogers, Max Duggan, and they can win games with any of those four guys. It's not like uh, Matthew Baldwin, just because he's an Ohio State transfer, is, is going to be the number one guy and lead this team to the championship. I mean, he's he's got to come in and, and compete with those guys just like everyone else. And I remember not too long ago when a guy named Matt Jokel came in to unseat Trevon Boykin, and TCU ended up having two really good years under Boykin. Dude, I'm old enough to remember when Matt Jokel was the bridge to Foster Sawyer. So you want to talk about uh, what might have been that got pontificated about on board. So, yeah, who, those transfers don't always um, aren't always what you expect. And I think we can say at TCU, the quarterback situation has been unpredictable. And I don't mean that as a pejorative. We don't know what's going to happen ever since Andy Dalton was a sophomore. I think that's the only kind of quarterback certainty that we've had is, is going back to 2008 to 2010. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with Baldwin. Let's go ahead and dig into some, uh, rec- some questions here that we've got on recruiting. Uh, first, we had a Twitter interaction that actually led to a new offer that you say is a pretty live option for the Frogs. Linebacker out of Alabama tweets up Coach Fitch. Tell us a little bit how that offer went down, who he is, and if the Frogs are actually in a legitimate spot to land him. Isn't that funny how Twitter works? I mean that. I mean the kid finds a a tweet from Zarnell Fitch talking about recruits sleeping on TCU, and the kid tweets back at Fitch, "You're sleeping on me." And an hour later, the kid has an offer, and and it just happens to be a, a an offer from a school that he really really likes. He's tweeting that TCU's his dream offer. I reach out to him, and he's telling me that he he's loved TCU for a long time, and and uh, loves the way they they run their program. Loves the defense, and definitely wants to go down there in in CTCU. It's it's crazy, you know. The the pessimistic fans are all they're blaming TCU for not knowing this and offering them late. And I said it on the board. You you cannot keep an eye on every single recruit out there, um, whether it's a five star guy or a two star guy. And when this kid's out there, everyone knows that he's kind of down to Alabama and LSU, I think it is, that, you know, offering this kid at that point in time is probably a moot point. But you know what? You gotta you gotta at least try it. And when you do offer and the kid says, you know, he's saying the things he's saying and um overjoyed to receive the offer, it, that that's just how uh fate works sometimes. I'm not sitting here saying that he's gonna end up at TCU or anything like that, but uh for the, for the people, the, the naysayers that, that don't think TCU would have a chance, I, I'll just look back to last class like I did on the board. I posted on the board. Last class, you know, every, TCU didn't offer Max Duggan until January, and the kid was committed to him three months later. And he only visited TCU one time. He visited Ohio State, visited Minnesota multiple, multiple times. Minnesota thought they had him sold up. They thought he was a gopher. And uh, it just goes to show if a kid really likes a, a program in a university and gets a chance to go down there and see, he, he likes what he's seeing before he even sees uh, the campus or gets to interact with the coaches, then, I mean, that's that's great because it, he's the, – the Moy Kennedy, he's, he's going to have a chance to go and uh, take an official visit. He said he's going to definitely 
come down to TCU for a visit. Uh, as of today, I, I reached out to him. They haven't set it up yet, um, but it's something that he's he's definitely wanting to do. And he may be one of those kids, just like Max was, gets down here, sees TCU, and sees everything up close and just thinks, man, this, this place is awesome. And linebackers are a huge need for them, and he could see that as an opportunity for him to come in and play early. So pretty funny how all that worked out, man. It, just, uh, it, it was just so fast, and it, it's pretty cool because Gary always says it seems like the perspective from outside the state border of Texas is, is more prominent than it is within the state border, and he's right. I mean, it, it seems like kids on a national uh perspective or, or you know national scene are looking at TCU in a higher lot than the kids within Texas yeah I've said that living outside of the footprint people outside of T- out of Texas respect TCU more than a lot of guys inside of Texas and that's just that's just bias and blue-blooded and old Southwest Conference memory so that's uncles I, uncles telling them about the blue bloods the, there's always an uncle I remember there's always that. an uncle that that documentary, the best that never was on Marcus Dupree. It was, I think, it was Freddie Akers who was the head coach yeah. of Texas. They interviewed him. He's like, "We had him locked up until the uncle showed up." And man, there's always an uncle. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, next no. question. Panda Frog on the board says, uh, "The new retro rule. How has that affected recruiting? The coaches seem to like it. Is there any insight you've gotten into the recruiting process by this new redshirt rule, or anything you can share with us?" I mean, it doesn't really affect the recruiting but i I could say the coaches love it they're i probably couldn't tell you one ncaa coach that doesn't love the redshirt rule i mean what better rule can you have than for a guy to come in and and play uh four games and and still be able to retain a redshirt and that that's awesome not only uh to grow that kid up um they did it last year with oshawn mathis but um if if a kid say for instance a kid is out for two weeks a starter's out for two weeks. You can bring this kid in and, and play those games. Um, and if you really want a red shirt, they'll find a way. It's like they did with Oshan last year. He probably could have played more than four games, but they really wanted him to have that red shirt. So uh, I, I can tell you right now, Gary Patterson loves that rule. Um, but as far as the recruiting goes with the red shirt rule, I don't think it affects any way they look at a particular kid. I, I think the obviously um, the transfer portal and everything else and how that's working is going to really change the way they look at recruiting going forward. Good insight. I like that rule, and I think the Frogs have done a pretty good job of maximizing it, at least in the first year or two here. Um, Hoops recruiting. Uh, One question is, WTF is going on, but the second question to recruiting, basketball recruiting, says, uh, Dixon seems to be loading up on guards for next year and beyond. Any insight to this? Just kind of give us a snapshot. What do you know? I know you and Dixon are, are kind of buddies. Uh, anything you know on basketball recruiting at this point? Man, I, I'm, I'm honestly kind of surprised by all the guard recruiting myself. Um, I, I don't have a good answer for that. I, I couldn't tell you. I don't have I don't have any insight. It, it's tough to follow. You know, just when I think I have a pulse on basketball recruiting, things change. And it was, you know, when they got Eldrick, uh, Dennis from UTA, I had no idea that was coming down the pipe. And then with with the uh, kid they got from George Mason, they signed um, today. It, it's it's just kind of like it's it's not – they do things yeah, – they keep things pretty close to the vest in basketball recruiting. I'll just say that. 
that says a lot in what in the little that you said. Uh, are the frogs in running for Jahari Rogers or Eric Reed? That question comes from to us off the board. I would say they have a better chance at Eric Reed. Uh, he's come down for a junior day visit. Jahari likes TCU, but I think he's looking at bigger programs like a Texas or LSU, Oklahoma, where his grandfather played. Um, TCU has obviously made a good impression on him, but I just think he's looking at those others. And it may just be one of those cases where TCU's just a little bit too close to home for him. Um, but Eric Reed, I mean, he's he's obviously still um, high on their list. They went down there and saw him during spring evaluations, and which ends the date officially ends this Friday, by the way, on May 31st. First camp of the summer on May 31st um, this this summer. So that'll be fun to get out to. But, yeah, uh, Eric Reed, and I'm not sure if they they have a great chance with Eric Reed either, but I would say out of the two that I would, I would put Reed in the TCU category before I would put Rodgers in there. All right, that's good to know. Last question comes from 82Frog. Jeremy, you got to answer this one. Is straight up, unbiased, no green glasses. What's the outlook for Azel football 2019? <laughs> That's the best question of the night. Azel's going to look good. They're not going to be sneaking up on people this year. Last year, they had to prove people wrong. This year, it's the it, you. Gary always says it that prove them wrong when when they get picked low in the conference and when they get picked high. He always says you got to prove them right. Now they're going to have to prove people right. Yeah, they got a lot of good guys coming back. They've got some stud uh, uh, young guys, 2021 kids, 2022, which, by the way, there's a 2022 there that Sonny Cumbie went by and saw. And I knew all about it because my buddies on the staff were calling me and telling me about it, that they like this uh, uh, kid, offensive lineman. He's actually one of my daughter's friends, big 6'5", 245-pound kid. I'll be doing some stories on him real soon. I guarantee Is he a date-your-daughter kind of guy? Yeah, if he likes people that are about a foot and a half shorter than him. I mean, he's he's a good kid. He's a teacher, he's a teacher's son, and uh, he's, a, he's a basketball player. He moves around good. But I'll probably take some pictures of him on Friday. He's supposed to be out there. But Azel does have some good players coming up, uh, you know, through, uh, through the system, and I think they'll be pretty good next year. They, uh, they won't be able to surprise people like they did last year. Got to replace some good seniors, but they'll have some uh, have some good returnees. A lot of their firepower from last year uh, are all coming back for their senior years, except for Sonny Cumbie's nephew, that, or not nephew, but cousin, second cousin. They're going to miss him. He's a great receiver, great uh, clutch receiver, tall, 6'4 kid. Can't believe he's not walking on it uh, somewhere, maybe not TCU, but somewhere to play football. He's a, he's a – Actually, a pretty good baseball player. He signed up with, uh, what's that college up in Gainesville? North Central College up in Gainesville. Play some baseball. I think so. I think that's what yeah. that is. Yeah. Yeah, but don't sleep on the Azel Hornets this year. Do not sleep on them. Azel's finest, Jeremy Clark, with some unbiased uh, diagnosis there of, of the of the Azel football team for 2019. Do not be sleeping on them. Um yeah, I think haters going to hate when it comes to Azel football. That's all I got to say. Haters going to hate. Hey, and you just wait. About, let's see, five years from now, hopefully my boy will be making some plays for him in a new stadium. Are you going to have – first of all, how's the Broadster doing, man? You had uh, – you had, he had, had, he kind of had some health issues there. He holding up all right now? 
Oh yeah. He's doing real good. He, uh, it was, it was scary, man. Cause you know, it, to let people know it, it had started several weeks ago with cellulitis and about a week after that happened, he, his foot just swelled up again. No one knows how it started. You look at cellulitis, it, it, it tends to happen to older people. Um, it, and it tends to happen from open sores, you know, scratching it or something, getting bacteria from fingernails, doing whatever. They couldn't ever figure out. Uh, and then we took him in to see his regular doctor and, and the regular doctor was like, well, this is, this is swollen up. Um, and this isn't one of those, I give you a prescription and tell you to come back three days from now. We need to get you to over to cooks and see the infectious disease doctor. They, they, you know, the infectious disease doctor saw Brody and, and, uh, they decided to admit him, and it was pretty scary because they did x-rays and, uh, nothing, nothing revealed anything into the bone until they couldn't see it until they did an MRI. And then they saw everything, They just bacteria, just all up in his ankle, getting into his bone, going up his calf muscle. It was so painful for him. He couldn't even walk. I mean, he was on crutches. I mean, he couldn't put any weight on his foot at all. And it was pretty scary. I mean, it's pretty scary to see your son hooked up to an IV um, for, (laughs) for a long period of time. And it was, you know, we got blessed. We had a lot of, uh, prayers coming in. We appreciate everyone posting on the board and we had lots of family and friends praying for us. And, and, uh, he got started on the IV antibiotics on, on Friday. And they told us if he looks good by Sunday, then we may not have surgery at all. And by that time, the antibiotics were just kicking some tail and it's, you know, reduced the swelling quite a bit and they decided not to do the surgery on him. And now he's just taking nine pills a day. I mean, it's, it's the same antibiotics, but he's, he has taken so many pills, but he, he, he doesn't miss a pill. He wants to get better. And I, you know, sometimes I don't even have to remind him to take it. He's, he's getting it, getting in there, getting his water, taking the pills and going on about his business. But man, I, I do appreciate everyone's thoughts and prayers for that. Cause it, it is tough to see your son, up in a hospital bed and, you know, not knowing what's going on and cooks, man, you just walk around cooks, children's they're, they're, they're awesome people up there. They took you know, incredible care of us. And, and it, it just saddens you though, when you walk around the, the facilities there, you see kids walking in masks and, you know, just they're there permanently and they don't get to get out very much. And just, it just makes you even more grateful for the, the state of health that, that, that your child's in. And I looked at those, those children and, and just thank, thank the Lord that, you know, he was taking care of my son. I appreciate you sharing that. You didn't have to. So we're hoping that four or five years down the road, he will be, you know, a, a three-star player at Azel with a chip on his shoulder. And then he gets that last minute offer from TCU. It comes in and he calls it his dream offer. And then yeah, he commits yeah. right there on the spot with his dream offer. That's what I'm hoping for. He he's a lunch pail kid too, and he and he's always he always runs good routes, catches the ball. He's clutch. He's kind of fast, but you know, I'm trying to think of all the other analogies we could use. You know what he's I love about him is he's kid. the first one there, and he's the last one to leave. He's almost like a, a, another coach on the field. So those are the things he really brings. He <laughs> yeah, is a real yeah, date your daughter kind of guy. Now. You know, he's the I first one to He's a he's a doggone turd sometimes. 
All right. Well, moving on. This is the last question. Daniel, if you're there, if you're still awake, this one is for you. So, you know, wake up from your nap. Be ready to go. Um, Daniel, this question comes in from uh, Derek Duke, who covers the Big 12 a little bit on Twitter. Has some pretty good comments. He says, for your show, is there anyone in Mount Vernon who knows what the word vetting means? I thought that was an appropriate question to close off. Do you have any insight to the Mount Vernon vetting process? I would say no. They don't know what that means. Um, not only do they not know what the word means, they don't understand the concept outside of the word itself. So whether they say, hey, let's make sure this is a good guy without using the actual word bet. Um, no, apparently not. Uh, apparently it's um, let's do what we can to win because that's what matters. Let's skirt around these questions and look like buffoons. Um, they should be the new disgrace for high school football, the new standard of disgrace. Be the standard. Be the standard. Oh, that's glorious. I love how you tied that in there. <sighs> that's what I do. Well, men, you guys have anything else for the good of the cause before we wrap up this episode of the Frogcast? I'm good. I'm ready to go to sleep. I'm an old man. All right. Well, if you made it this far on the show, you're ready to go to sleep as well. So we will bring this show to a merciful end. If you haven't yet, go on iTunes and give us a rating and a review. Uh, go to your podcasting app of choice and subscribe to us. We would appreciate anything you can do to help get the word out about this show. As always, we thank our sponsor, Teen Life. And if you haven't also yet, you need to join Horn Frog Blitz. All the stuff you want to talk about is on there at TCU 24-7. Go to hornfrogblitz.com. Join our site. You'll stay in, in the loop on what's going on. All the latest with the program, football, baseball, basketball, recruiting. And as we move through the summer, you're going to need to get that, uh, that football addiction, that TCU sports addiction dealt with. And this is a great place to do that because we get on there and we talk. Some of us are smarter than others. I'm not going to name names, but some of us are smarter than others, and you're going to find some really good information on the show. Jeremy with all the breaking news in the inside story. So for Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast. <laughs>